The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Listening to the Strangeology Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Ford, and this is your place to explore the weird, strange, and unexplained. From cryptids and creatures, the paranormal, aliens and UFOs, forbidden knowledge, ancient mysteries, conspiracies, and more. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the show. On today's episode, I'm going to be doing a deep dive into the enigmatic Fresno Nightcrawlers, a cryptid creature that has captured the hearts and minds of many, but there are still many questions as to what it really is. But anyway, thank you for bearing with me yet again and waiting the extra week for this episode to come out. With Thanksgiving happening last week, coming off the tail end of my whole family having a nasty cold, along with school closures because of snow days and school vacation. I needed a little bit of extra time to get this one done right, since it's a topic I've been wanting to cover here on the show for quite a while, and it's going to take a lot of interesting twists and turns, so stay tuned. Before I get started, make sure to take a minute to subscribe to the show wherever you're listening to it or streaming from, and make sure to set your device to auto-download so you never miss a new episode. And it also helps me out a ton. One of the biggest ways to help the show grow, too, is to share it around with your social networks. And don't forget to give me a follow over on all my social media accounts as well. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, X, Threads, and my website as well over on strangeology.com, which has links to all of my shops, my blog, and other stuff as well. So if you enjoy the Strangeology podcast and want to find out what I'm up to on a regular basis or want to see more content from me, either on the blog or in short form video or longer form video on my YouTube channel, that's where you can find it. Links will be in the show notes as always. I also want to take a second to welcome new members to the Strangeology Patreon. Welcome to Maureen and Chris. Thank you both so much for signing up and supporting what we do here at Strangeology. If you enjoy my show and want to show some support, you can join my growing community of Fortean enthusiasts at patreon.com forward slash Strangeology. I have a few different tiers starting at just $1 a month, and you can even join for free for a limited time to check things out before you make your decision. Each of my tiers have perks that stack up the higher you go. For example, I do shout outs like for Maureen and Chris here and on social media. And I also have merch discounts 
for my Etsy shop, exclusive merch for members, ad-free and early access to episodes, and voting power on episode topics that I'll research for new episodes, much like today's one, which was a winning vote among other topics, as well as access to Strangeology Beyond, which is an episode extension, sometimes an entire episode in and of itself, and that too is a membership exclusive. It's a great time, and I'd love to see you there. So again, you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash strangeology. Thanks for checking it out. All right, without further ado, let's just get into the story of the Fresno Nightcrawlers. Like I said before, this one has a lot of interesting twists and turns, maybe some you haven't heard of before. So make sure to grab a drink, a snack, sit back, relax, and join me as we dive into the story behind the Fresno Nightcrawlers. There are a lot of strange and interesting creatures that people claim to have witnessed all over the world for countless years, since before time began, really. And in more modern times, one that has really captivated the hearts and imagination of many cryptozoology researchers and enthusiasts for things that go bump in the night are beings that have been dubbed the Fresno Nightcrawlers. Others call them the Fresno Aliens or even the Fresno Nightwalkers. The latter probably makes more sense, but I prefer the Nightcrawler version myself for these peculiar cryptids. Footage of these beings was allegedly captured on camera around 2007, and this footage went viral kind of before going viral was even a thing on the internet. If there was a piece of cryptid video that's up there with something like the Patterson-Gimlin film, I'd say this one would be a top contender with how much it's been analyzed and people have tried to debunk it and there's really no clear answer even today. Now, what exactly are these things? According to the alleged video evidence and from witness testimony, people have described them as being almost stick-like, or the more popular notion is that they are a pair of walking pants. And that's because they almost literally look like a pair of kind of baggy pants that almost sway while they walk, almost in a kind of serpentine motion, if you will. Some even say they glide. It's really unclear exactly how they're doing this, but they seem to have mostly a diminutive stature, around two to three and a half feet tall, although other people have claimed seeing ones much taller in the seven to eight foot range. Now, again, the pants description seems to be the most accurate way to describe these things. It's almost like they're two legs connected by a central node. You'll see in artist renditions of these cryptids that they're often depicted with large, round, flat black eyes and really no nose or mouth. 
most of the witness testimony that's out there and it it is scant there's not a lot of people that have seen these things they don't really ever describe them as having facial features at all it just seems like they're two legs connected in the middle at the top by a central node which is interesting perhaps ghost pants would be an apt description for them and it seems like with most sightings at least they always seem to travel in pairs now the earliest written account that i have found that even predates the viral video that made these creatures popular happened in 2004 it was a cold winter night on january 24th near manchester indiana in dearborn county Around 7.30 p.m., an unnamed then 17-year-old was driving his black Chevy Cavalier southbound along North Hogan Road. Out of nowhere, a strange figure on the right side of the road became illuminated by his car's headlight. Whatever this thing was, it was frail-looking and it was crouched down at a puddle of water on the road. The sighting all took place within a matter of three to four seconds. After passing by this unknown creature, the driver looked in his rearview mirror only to see this thing stand up. It stood up and it looked about six and a half feet tall. It was a dark gray or black color, but hard to tell exactly as there wasn't much light left on the road to illuminate it, save for his car's taillights. Some details remained clear in his memory, though. It was pencil thin. It had no clothes, and it appeared to have no arms. As it began to move towards the woods on the side of the road, he saw that it had protruding joints that moved in kind of the wrong way. Think of something like Silent Hill, and he described them as almost buckling out. He also claimed that he could feel like the creature was looking right at him, not at his car, at him. Although he couldn't ascertain that it had any kind of facial details, or even eyes for that matter. The teenager kept driving for a short distance until something compelled him to slam on the brakes of his car and to look out of his rear window to see if he could get a better look at this thing, which in his mind was decidedly non-human. Just then, another car was coming down the road from the opposite direction from where he was headed. He observed it passing by, and it got to the point in the road where he had seen this creature. He then saw the car swerve as if to avoid something that was on the side of the road. The car then turned around and pulled up to him a few moments later. The other motorists were an elderly couple, and the husband got out of his car and came up to his window and asked him if he had seen anything back there on the road. He said, I'll tell you right now, that was no person. And his wife chimed in, also saying that it was no human being, it was no man. The elderly couple then offered to drive behind this teenage witness to his destination until they were well clear of whatever this thing was. Perhaps they got a much better look at the thing and figured that it was best for them to 
travel together at least. Now, later on that evening, it was said that the 17-year-old witness had become hysterical, describing this creature as an alien. Now, this was an excerpt from David Weatherly's Nightcrawlers in Indiana book, and may have been the first documented case of this type of creature or entity, which gained massive notoriety a few years later on the other side of the United States. Now, what many people consider the origin point for these legendary cryptids began in the heart of the Central Valley in none other than the city of Fresno, California. Fresno is the largest city in the Central Valley area and the fifth most populous city in all of California, hosting a population of over 540,000 people as of 2020, and it serves as the economic hub of Fresno County and the San Joaquin Valley. It's kind of in the center of everything, and a piece of info that may come into play later is that this is located within 60 to 90 miles of a few major national parks. So in 2007, a local resident from Fresno named Jose had presented the footage to the local Univision TV station, and thus the legend was born. The story goes that Jose had purchased a secondhand CCTV surveillance camera system for his family's home after somebody had stolen a bicycle off his property. There were two cameras that he set up, one looking at the driveway and one looking near his front door. One of them recorded directly to VHS tape and was connected to a live monitor, which Jose had set up on a table next to his bed. So in case a thief or anyone else came by to mess around, he could assess the situation before calling the police or deciding to take matters into his own hands. On the night of November 5th, 2007, his dog began to bark wildly in the middle of the night, which was rather unusual. It was around 1245 in the morning, so Jose checked the security monitor next to his bedside and was shocked by what was on the screen. I assume that he just thought that maybe somebody was coming by to steal more things from his property or to mess around, but according to Jose in the footage, which I will link in the show notes, he saw what appeared to be two very strange beings moving across his front lawn. These things were stark white and looked like they were these three-foot-tall humanoid figures. They almost looked ghost-like and moved with this strange, fluid-like motion across his yard. It's hard to say they were walking exactly, but they were moving nonetheless. And it's the middle of the night, so who or what would these things be? And perhaps the strangest detail of all is that these things looked like they were mostly sets of legs with nothing else, no arms. They had what appeared to be a tiny torso or ahead, this central node, but nothing else, no other limbs beyond these legs, nothing. Jose compared them to 
looking like a pair of walking pajama pants. Now, Jose's brother lived with him and his family, so Jose went running to his brother's room to wake him up. His brother ran out with him to the living room, and they flung open their curtains, which looked out towards the front lawn and the street, but they couldn't see anything. In the excitement of the moment of all this going down, they wound up waking up the rest of Jose's family, and they all descended towards his monitor to check out the footage. And since the tape would be overwritten on playback if they rewound it because it was a constantly recording system, it was a live recording. So what Jose did was that he grabbed a camcorder that he had so that he could record the playback monitor screen with his camcorder. And if you have watched the footage yet or have seen it before, you'll notice that it has a pretty bad quality to it. And this is why. And there is further degradation that happens with this footage later on with Univision. Now, the whole family was stunned at this footage of these weird beings casually moving across their front lawn in the middle of the night. Jose's brother even went outside to investigate things further and claimed that he saw what seemed to be tiny footprints out there from some unknown creature. The tracks were nothing that he recognized. So two weeks go by and Jose is apparently scared out of his mind about these things and didn't even want to leave his house. He decided, and perhaps it was at the influence of family members, he sends in a copy of the footage to their local Univision station. Again, this is the degraded camcorder footage recording of his monitor, which basically makes it much more compressed and pixelated. By now, it's early December of 2007, and a reporter at the station reviews Jose's tape and decides that this footage, whatever it's showing, is extraordinary. And this reporter decides to call a well-known paranormal investigator to the area named Victor Camacho to analyze it. Victor hosts a radio show that's popular based in Los Angeles, and this show airs in both the U.S. and Mexico, and it's called Los Desvelados, or The Sleepless Ones. And it's a show talking about the strange and unexplained, much like this one. So since he's in L.A., it takes him a couple of days to get up to Fresno. In interviews, Victor Camacho recalled that Univision was pushing for a claim that these things were aliens, extraterrestrials not from Earth. However, Victor needed to get all the facts right and wanted to talk to Jose directly before making any kind of statement. It took some convincing since Jose was still frightened about what he had captured on his security tapes, but Jose finally agreed to come down to the station to talk with Victor. 
And even then, Jose refused to have his face on camera. And according to Victor, he appeared and acted visibly shook and apprehensive about the whole deal. It was like he didn't even want to be there. He didn't want to talk about it. Now, after the interview, Victor really only got the story that we've gone over so far without any access to the original tape or even contact info for Jose. This was also when another camcorder was used to film the monitor at the TV station playing Jose's tape. So this is the additional compression and degradation of the original footage. Now, a lot of people have tried to debunk this footage or have claimed that it's fake ever since it was aired on TV. And we'll get into more about that later. But based on Jose's demeanor and the fact that he didn't really want anything to do with this, seems to lend some credibility to the whole thing. Fast forward to February of 2008, and out of the blue, Victor Camacho gets a call from Jose, who invites him out to his house. Although, by that point, any evidence, like the tracks on the front lawn that Jose's brother claimed he saw, were no longer there, Victor got a better understanding of what happened after speaking further with Jose, also talking with his brother and the rest of the family, just to get an idea of what they went through. Now, Victor also reached out to Jose's neighbors, but unfortunately, nobody he spoke with remembered anything from the night of November 5th. They didn't see any creatures or anything like that. It's unclear how many of the neighbors may have also had security camera systems. Perhaps it was a neighborhood where most people go to bed early and no one was up or around to even see anything strange. From there, Victor, along with another paranormal investigation team, attempted to recreate what was on Jose's footage to see if Perhaps it was just somebody playing a prank with Jose and his family, but nothing they did apparently came close to the original, which made up Victor Camacho's mind into believing that whatever this was, was genuine. It wasn't a hoax done by Jose or his brother or any family members, which is interesting. Now, Camacho kept in touch with Jose and his family periodically over the next few years. But one day when he called, he unfortunately learned that Jose had been involved in a car accident and unfortunately died. And after this, the family picked up the pieces and moved elsewhere in California, and Victor Camacho lost all contact with them. So unfortunately, that part of the story becomes a little bit of a dead end. Now, you might think that the 2007 footage from Jose is where this story stops, like many other cryptids that turn out to be one-hit wonders, but you'd be wrong. This wasn't the last that we'd hear about these mysterious beings. As it turns out, more video footage surfaced in 2011, depicting almost identical entities 
to the ones that were in Jose's footage. This time, the footage was allegedly from security officials at the Yosemite National Park, some 90 miles north of Fresno. Now, Yosemite National Park covers almost 1,200 square miles, so it's a pretty big patch of wilderness, and there could be a lot going on out there that we don't know about. There was a recent case just a couple years ago about a couple who had gone missing and were found dead with no apparent cause of death out there in Yosemite. So perhaps there's strange things happening that we're not being told about. Allegedly, the story goes that the security team at Yosemite had been trying to catch a group of vandals who had been coming around to the park damaging the private property of visitors. When reviewing the footage from the cameras that they set up, they were surprised to see what looked like two pairs of ghostly pants doing a weird walk down a slope between some trees. The definition in this video is far superior to the original one from 2007, and the minute-long footage shows that one creature is significantly smaller than the other, which has led many to speculate that it may have been a juvenile, so there was a kind of parent and child situation. Interesting theory. There also appears to be some kind of webbing or let's just say something that looks like fabric in between the legs of the larger one, which is interesting and adds a little bit more detail and lore behind what these things are and what they're made up of. It's just very interesting. But unfortunately, there really isn't a lot more detail to this footage or more information beyond it. And if this footage is true, it's the only footage that we have from Yosemite or footage that looks this good. But the story doesn't end there, my friends. Fast forward a couple years where a sighting of a similarly described creature was reported, this time in Ohio. It was late at night on December 12th in 2015, and a 60-year-old vet, who remains anonymous till this day, was driving home with his wife. They had just purchased their house in Fort Hill, about an hour and a half east of Cincinnati, and were headed home after a night out. Now, an important note here is that this road cuts through the Fort Hill Earthworks Nature Preserve. So they were driving through a heavily forested area, a park. They had just hit the crest of a hill on the road after passing by a local church when suddenly this seven-foot-tall creature jumped out into the road. They said it was gray in color and very slim. It was basically a set of legs connected in the middle and nothing else. No arms, no face, nothing. They called it an alien since that was kind of the only reference they really had to describe it as it looked like nothing else they had seen before. And since then, this creature that was sighted has become known as the Carmel Area Creature. Another curious thing is that this veteran who reported this 
said that after only living at their new home for a month, and this was happening around the same time they saw this mystery creature, they had this perfect circle in their front lawn that looked like fresh green grass, no matter what the weather was doing. He didn't really ascribe a connection to the creature beyond that, but perhaps there was meant to be an implication that there was an alien or UFO connection. Some have also suggested that this creature was really just a misidentified moose or deer based on the witness sketch of what was seen. Now, as far as this odd patch of grass, perhaps it could have been a fairy ring of mushrooms, some pretty healthy mycelia going on in his front lawn. It's really unclear, but an interesting thought in a potential connection with stories of UFO landings. Sometimes there's odd circles being left behind as evidence that something actually touched down. But usually in those cases, the grass is either burnt from radiation or something else that might not necessarily make the grass look fresh, even if it's snowy or rainy. Now, another story that I came across comes from 2015 that hasn't really circulated from what I could tell comes from a Reddit user named Bund. And this will take us all the way back to California. In his story, he explained that he was visiting his mother in Lompoc, California, right near Vandenberg Air Force Base, which in and of itself apparently has some high strangeness surrounding it regarding a lot of fog and a conspiracy that there is some kind of weather control device at the base that they periodically test. Perhaps that's a topic for another episode. So while he was out visiting his mother, Bund claims that this house is on the outskirts of the town of Lompoc. That's where his mother lives. He was outside and he witnessed this tall figure off in the distance on a nearby hillside, and he described it as looking black, although it could have just been in shadow. However, he described it as this fairly tall thing. As far as how tall it was, he described that it was about a quarter the height of a telephone pole, and that it was extremely skinny. Now, A utility pole or a telephone pole can be anywhere from 30 to 60 feet. So if this was a 30-foot pole that he was looking at, a quarter of that would have made this thing seven and a half feet tall. It didn't appear to have any arms. It was just two legs connected in the middle to something that resembled a kind of node or torso. And As he observed it, he noticed that it appeared to be hunched over like it was looking for something. And if it was hunched over, it's also possible that it was even taller than seven and a half feet. In that moment, he freaked out and went inside to tell everyone in the house that he saw something strange, this weird, tall, skinny creature that was just two legs. 
Although there's no elaboration as to his family's reaction to him telling them. Had they seen this creature before as well, or were they surprised? Did they just brush it off? Well, Bond apparently brushed it off as a simple hallucination after he thought about it. However, sometime later, he came across various artist renditions and videos of the Fresno Nightcrawlers. And in that moment, he claims that he went pale in the face, knowing that that was exactly what he had witnessed near his mother's house. Bond then went on to say that since this very brief encounter, his dog has started to bark at things that weren't there. And it usually, his dog would never bark unless it felt threatened. The dog then seemed to develop a kind of different routine after being let outside at night to do its business, and it would essentially run in circles and then go to his property's fence and then to the fence gate and then to some nearby bushes, and it would repeat this process several times, which, according to Bund, this was a new behavior. It was almost like maybe something saw him back at his mother's and followed them home. Although there doesn't seem to be any follow-ups or any additional sightings. But this is a definitely very interesting story that I don't think a lot of people have heard of yet. In 2017, more alleged footage of these creatures were posted online. This time from Poland. It's a very ambiguous shot using night vision, and we get a brief glimpse of some kind of two legged creature walking through the frame for about seven to eight seconds. This one, however, doesn't have any background information on it, and I'm of the opinion that it's almost certainly a hoax. In fact, Brightening up the footage in editing software allows you to see that whatever this thing was, it was likely just a puppet with very rigid, almost stick-like movements to the legs. I figured I would mention it here because a lot of other videos and podcasts do mention the Poland Nightcrawler, but this one, I think it's fair to say that it's pretty much a hoax. Now, in 2018, there's another piece of footage that surfaced online on January 1st on the Unexplained Mysteries YouTube channel, and it appears to show what looks like a nightcrawler that was caught on a security camera filming somebody's backyard in a garden. This short figure that appears maybe two feet tall, walks out from behind this garden fence surrounding an in-ground pool, and it begins to walk out from the fence, and because of the night vision, it's hard to tell if there's a pool cover on the pool or if it's just open water, but whatever this thing is, it apparently glides over the pool while moving its legs in a strange kind of swaying motion. This one, however, also looks like it's 
most likely a hoax. If you analyze the footage closely, it looks like somebody took a ball with some kind of fabric placed over it and maybe some prop legs and it's being tugged on by a string. And I'll link all this footage in the show notes as well so you can watch them and also decide for yourself whether or not it's the real deal. This one and the previous one, the Poland Nightcrawler, seem to be recreations or attempted recreations at something similar to the original 2007 footage. But they definitely don't really look like a real creature. The most recent video evidence that has appeared comes from Billings, Montana in 2020. This footage is kind of interesting, and it it seems to show a kind of nightcrawler being in this 37-second long clip. And it's yet another piece of security camera footage at someone's home in Billings, Montana. The scene is really dark, and it's in black and white mode, so it's hard to make out much detail. But it basically just shows the property owner's front yard, and in the left corner, you can see the road, and there's even a car that drives by at one point. And just right of the center in the shot, you see the property owner's propane tank as well. And about 20 seconds into the footage, this strange two-legged thing, like a walking pair of pants, steps into the frame from the right side. It kind of hangs out for about three seconds and then walks out of the out of the frame out of view from the camera. Could be that it's just a perfect setup and the property owner was just messing around, but who knows? According to the story that was provided, there was evidently a dead deer found very close to this part of the property owner's lawn the next morning. It was likely the work of a cougar, as Montana has a population of about 4,000 to 4,500 cougars. Although I would think that a cougar would drag a deer body away. Some have speculated and this is the first time I've heard of this, (laughs) is that the Nightcrawler captured on the security camera may have been responsible for killing this deer. This seems like a bit of a stretch considering we haven't seen or heard of these things having mouths, if they're even real in the first place, and we don't know if they're predatory or even what they could be exactly. So I think the jury's out on this particular footage, but it is pretty interesting. So definitely check this one out. And most recently in 2023, there was footage posted to the nightmare fuel TikTok channel claiming that a nightcrawler was filmed somewhere in Sweden, which this footage shows an entity made of stick thin legs connected In the middle, this one almost looks more like a wishbone, and it's crossing a snowy road. Now, this is from TikTok. Have to take things there with a huge grain of salt, especially with a channel like this that 
is well known to post a lot of things that are hoaxes. And this one could very well be CGI or AI. And there's really no information surrounding it, like where exactly it was taken, what date it was taken, what the context in the situation was. But I'll leave a link to it in the show notes as well. And again, you can decide for yourself whether or not this one is real. And the final sighting that I'm going to mention here, and this one doesn't have any video attached to it, but it's an anecdote from a Redditor based in California who we'll call Tip, who saw something strange in September of 2022. So this one's going to take us back to Yosemite National Park. According to his story, he had gone hiking at the Half Dome in Yosemite. And as we know, there was this alleged footage captured of things that looked like the Nightcrawlers 11 years prior. Now, he was apparently coming down the John Muir Trail around 6 p.m. at night. He had just crossed over the Vernal Falls Bridge where you get this great scenic view of all of these huge granite cliffs that Yosemite is known for. As he's going down the trail and observing the cliffs, he notices something kind of out of place compared to the rest of the rock face that he's looking at. About halfway up a 1,000-foot cliff, he sees this bright white figure up on the rocks that didn't really match any of the consistent rock patterning and texture to this cliff face. It looked like it was some kind of three-dimensional creature. He described it as looking like two big and billowy pant legs, like MC Hammer pants, that connected together at the top into an odd shape or central node. He noted that while it was a little bit windy out, and even though this thing looked like it was made of fabric, it wasn't affected by the wind at all. He couldn't see any rippling effect or waviness to it as the wind blew. And if you've ever been hiking up at any kind of altitude, wind gusts can be incredibly strong. I recall a time where I was hiking the tallest mountain in my state, Mount Mansfield, which isn't a very tall mountain at all, all things considered, but we were up near the top of one side of the mountain, probably about 3,500 feet, maybe close to 4,000, and a wind gust came by, and I was probably about, I don't know, 10 years old or so, and I got pushed forward several feet from this wind gust. And granted, I was just a kid at the time, so not too hard to push a kid with a lot of wind. But considering a situation like that, if it was windy out at 500 feet up a cliff face, you would think that maybe something would be moving. So something to consider. Now, he also made note that due to the time of year, there had been no snowstorms. So whatever this was, wasn't snow. And from his vantage point, this thing looked to be around seven to eight feet tall, which is 
of course, a significant difference from other sightings we've heard of so far. Although some of the other ones, like the Carmel area creature, are in that height range. Now, Tip was stopped on the trail staring at this thing. And a woman was hiking down the same trail as him and stopped to strike up a conversation. The first thing he asked her is if she can see this object on the cliffside over that way. And she points over to it right away and confirms that, yeah, she can see it too. And she says that she thought it looked like a kid in a white bath towel and wondered if that's what he was looking at as he was stopped on the trail. And he was like, yeah, that's what I'm looking at. So they're both staring at this thing for a couple of minutes. And Tip is apparently aware of the Fresno Nightcrawler's story and asks this woman if he's ever heard of these creatures. She hadn't. So Tip goes on to explain the stories of them, what they look like, what people know maybe about their behavior. And she pretty much agrees that that's what they must be looking at. But if this is a Fresno Nightcrawler, what is it doing 500 feet up on a cliff? And how did it get there? So Tip then made his way back down the trail, periodically looking over to the cliffside whenever a different angle presented itself. And according to him, it made it more clear that this thing was entirely separate from the cliff face. It was some kind of thing standing on an edge of something and it was three-dimensional. Not sure exactly if it was a creature, a nightcrawler or something else. Ultimately, he wasn't 100% convinced that that's what it was. He went on to explain that he thought it very well could have been an object that a rock climber planted or left behind, or that his eyes may have been playing tricks on him with losing daylight as the sun was setting. But to have an additional witness in the situation does make this potential sighting very interesting, especially being in Yosemite. I suppose it is a bit strange that if it was a night crawler or some other creature, that it didn't appear to be moving, especially with wind blowing. And also, again, how did it get up there in the first place? They're called the Fresno Night Crawlers, not the Night Climbers, but maybe there's a new variation. Who knows? So, what are these things? Well, there are a number of theories as to what exactly the Fresno Night Crawlers are. And I should mention that most of the theories out there are pure speculation. Beyond scant and honestly, not all that great video evidence, there just isn't a ton of stuff to go on. Let's just get this one out of the way. Perhaps the most obvious theory is that this was all one big hoax in the beginning with Jose's video, followed by a number of copycats. Perhaps Jose and his brother or even someone else wanted to get their 15 minutes of fame and they set the whole thing up either with somebody on stilts or using some kind of puppetry 
or dragging a literal pair of pants on something like a rope or a fishing line through their front yard, something that was just invisible enough to a CCTV camera that you couldn't really make out that detail in the first place, never mind the video degradation that went along with it. Jose's reluctance to even send the tape to Univision or even being hesitant to speak with Victor Camacho indicates that he was, whatever this was, it was unknown and that he didn't want all the media attention, at least in my opinion. But then again, you also need to consider the poor quality of the video, which again is a copy of a copy. And some have even suggested that the video is actually in reverse. And if you play it backwards, the figure's motions look a lot more natural, as if it's being pulled along or somebody's operating this kind of costume or puppet. Now, in 2010, the Sci Fi Channel had a show called Fact or Faked, and they did an episode where they investigated this whole thing about the Fresno Nightcrawlers. It was season one, episode two. Despite their best efforts to recreate the footage, however, things apparently came up short and they declared the Nightcrawlers unconfirmable, meaning they couldn't debunk Jose's footage, which is pretty interesting. So it's left off with a kind of, it could be real or it could be fake, we're just not sure. And then in 2012, a YouTuber called Captain Disillusion, this is the guy that paints the almost Mad Max style silver bottom of his face as part of his his shtick, he offered his take on the original 2007 footage and determined with some camera trickery and video editing effects, you could very easily create something that looks a lot like the classic Fresno Nightcrawler, a pair of legs with a central node connecting them. Comically, Captain Dissolution used a watermelon for the node. He was holding it around his waist level and clipped out the rest of his torso, his head, and his arms and did a layered filming effect where he filmed just the ambient background of a walkway, I assume near his home, and then he overlaid himself walking clipped out. It's pretty good, and I'll link it in the show notes. However, his movements are absolutely nothing like what is seen in Jose's video or the Yosemite video. Now, we don't know if this was something that could have been pulled off by Jose in 2007. Was he knowledgeable about video editing, or was his brother or anyone in his family? I want to say the answer is likely no, although we don't really know any details about Jose's background otherwise, so we can't say with 100% certainty. My guess is that if it was a hoax, it was done using more tangible and practical techniques. And as far as the Yosemite National Park footage from 2011, back in 2022, there was a Facebook thread comment section that popped up about this. 
There was an effects artist who lives about an hour from Fresno who claimed that he had created the Yosemite footage as part of this challenge for a paranormal TV show that was being pitched to a network. Even going into detail of how they did the whole thing with some movie magic and puppeteering technology. And then somebody leaked the video edit that they had worked on, which spread like wildfire and well, the rest is history. Nobody really knows if this guy was telling the truth. He seemed fairly legitimate in how he was explaining things. However, he wound up deleting his original comment, but not before somebody took a screenshot. He then followed up with a comment saying, had to go dark again. If you know, you know. Now, the Yosemite footage came out in 2011. This guy posts his comments in 2022. I can't imagine that an NDA would go on for 11 years about a silly pants creature that's captured the hearts and minds of millions that was made for some paranormal TV show that never even went to pilot. I could be wrong. Perhaps someone can leave a comment or shoot me a message and prove otherwise, but even if this is the case, we still don't have a 100% debunk of the original footage, which at the very least would have influenced the Yosemite footage if it's actually fake. A lot of people do believe that it's CGI, and it does look almost too good to be true, so who knows exactly. I don't think it's 100% debunked yet, but maybe there is a kernel of truth in that particular video. One of the more mundane theories is the idea that the Fresno Nightcrawler is simply a misidentified deer standing on its hind legs. Deer do get up on their hind legs if they're trying to reach leaves or bark on trees or even sometimes when bucks spar with one another. There are some similarities for sure if you look at pictures, but if you're viewing a deer that's in this position, sure it can look like a two-legged bipedal being without arms if you see it very fast or if it's dark and kind of catches you off guard, but if there's enough light, you can still make out its neck, its head, and its ears. Deer also aren't typically a bright white. You could argue that there are albino deer that pop up periodically, and they also don't exclusively walk on their hind legs in a strange swaying motion. If they could, it probably would only be for a very short time before they'd have to drop down on all fours again, and they certainly wouldn't be walking across an entire front lawn or through a meadow or down a hill like that. I'll try to find some examples and throw them in the show notes and you can make your own determinations from that. And then there's the idea that this is just a tried and true cryptid, a creature or life form that science hasn't discovered yet. Perhaps it's some kind of strange upright primate this is an idea that I've come across being tossed around, although to me that seems pretty far-fetched considering 
all primates have legs and arms as well as a discernible neck and head and facial features and cranial features. And they all have hair as well, unless they're bald chimps without arms that learn how to wear pants and walk funny. Another theory that I've come across during my research for this episode, which also kind of ties into an alternative name for these creatures is that they are extraterrestrial in nature. And this is just conjecture with really nothing to back it up from what I've found other than people questioning why an alien would travel light years to earth just to walk around looking like a pair of MC hammer pants. (laughs) Maybe it's possible, but this idea seems pretty doubtful to me, especially since any sightings that have been reported of these things have been entirely devoid of any corresponding UFO sightings. Some also think that rather than extraterrestrial, that they are extra or interdimensional beings, perhaps from a place like the realm of the Fae or something of a similar nature. Maybe they're even literal ghost pants. Based on how these things seem to behave, according to witness reports and videos, regardless of if they are hoaxes or not, I think I might lean more towards them being interdimensional rather than extraterrestrial. One of the weirder theories out there, and I love this one, is that the Fresno Nightcrawlers are actually a kind of form of highly evolved fungus that have learned to get up and move around. It's a fun idea, but this one seems rather unlikely as we don't really have any other examples of this in the animal plant fungus kingdoms out there. However, one thing to consider is that there are studies on fungus showing evidence of a mycelial consciousness, a fungal mind, if you will, although it's still a pretty provocative idea. According to Paul Stamitz, and look him up if you're not familiar, he's a very well-known mycologist, someone who lives and breathes this stuff. Different experiments have shown that some fungus or fungi do show a spatial recognition awareness, a kind of memory and intelligence. According to him, fungus certainly has consciousness, which is pretty wild. You know, take that in for a second. It's uh, one of these days I'll probably have to do an episode about the intelligence of, of plants. If you've ever seen any videos or listened to any other podcasts where people cover this kind of stuff, it's pretty wild. There's videos out there of different types of slime molds routing places out like mazes, filling the whole place up and then finding the path of least resistance, the best routes possible through different complex spaces and creating an almost neural network for communication. The point is, if the nightcrawlers are real and have intelligence, perhaps it's possible, as this theory suggests, that some kind of fungus evolved in that way and subsequently also became bipedal. 
but this could be a whole other episode. So let's just get to the next theory. And this is the last theory I want to talk about. And to me, it's probably the most compelling one that I've come across, which is based off of First Nations folklore from Canada. Now, there have been people who have suggested and tried to connect the Nightcrawlers with tribal folklore from California. And most certainly, there is a lot of very interesting folklore out there. But those theories seem to come up short with any kind of solid connection. Some of the legends involve the story of quote-unquote stick Indians or quote-unquote stick men, which beyond being a pair of walking pants, the Nightcrawlers have also been described as looking like two sticks put together that are walking. But this is kind of a misunderstanding of what this legend is actually about. Astonishing Legends has a great article all about stick Indians and puts it in a way to easily digest and understand. Essentially, what they are, tribes from the northwest parts of North America, particularly the Salish, have legends of this malevolent entity which lives in the forests. And there are variations in description based on the tribe, but the common thread among them is that they are these tall nocturnal beings, rarely seen, and most descriptions of them pretty much resemble a Sasquatch or Bigfoot type of creature. It's said that they mostly don't bother people, but occasionally they do, and when that happens, they apparently come into encampments or villages and poke sticks into teepees or lodges during the night, or play other pranks and steal food. And if anyone messes with them, it turns out they're extremely vindictive, and according to the legends, they also have some kind of psychic ability to induce fear, dread, confusion, and anxiety into people. Sometimes they even abduct women and children if they feel that they're disrespected in any way. Contrary to that part of the story, however, is that there are other tribes like the Nez Perce who refer to them as little people. So either a hobbit-sized creature that's either connected to the Fae or maybe there's a connection to something like Homo florensiensis or the Florist Man, which was a diminutive offshoot cousin of humans tens of thousands of years ago whose fossils were discovered on the island of Flores in Indonesia, quite far from the Pacific Northwest, but who knows, perhaps there is a potential connection there. In the end, the stick Indian theory is interesting, but doesn't quite fit with what people have reported about the Nightcrawlers. And then you'll see people mentioning these wooden sculptures that are supposedly outside of some DMV in California, parts unknown. And from what I could find, these pictures popped up sometime around 2013. And they very much resemble what a nightcrawler is supposed to look like. And people will say these things have been seen by tribal members for hundreds of years. Basically, they are 
what looks to be like a solid piece of wood from a tree that has a fork in it and it's put upside down and there's kind of a facial carving at the head, but it's just basically two legs. The claims that these are Fresno nightcrawlers seem to mostly be unsubstantiated. And according to an article by David Weatherly, it's thought that these statues could very well be in California, but it's much more likely based on the surrounding flora in the backgrounds of the images that they're more likely based in New Jersey of all places. But while these ideas all seem to lead to dead ends, there is another entity in the folklore of the First Nations tribes out of British Columbia in Canada that could very well offer a connection, which I came across during my research. This legend is found in many of the tribes of the Pacific Northwest, and there are similar legends all throughout the Americas and elsewhere in ancient cultures, but we're going to just focus on the Pacific Northwest for this one. Most notably, the Kwakayutl culture, and more specifically, the Kwakwakaywak tribe, has legends of a water dragon entity, which they call the Sasayutl, which means both sides head. It's also known by many other names like the Sea Wolf, Wasco, or the Hyatlik, to name a few. Now, you're probably thinking the Fresno Nightcrawlers walk on land. What is a sea serpent type of entity? What does this have to do with any of this? Well, bear with me. The Sasayutl is typically described as a double-headed sea serpent, and much of the iconography, art, and masks depict the two serpents as being almost leg-like, connecting with a central humanoid face or node. And according to the legends, is also a shapeshifter, able to take the form of a man or even inanimate objects like canoes. The legend also states that staring at it directly can cause intense feelings of dread or even death if it glances back at you. Some have even said that it can turn your body into salt. And as far as its movements go, it's said that it does so using a fluid swaying motion, not too dissimilar from the videos that we've seen of these Fresno nightcrawler creatures that are out there. And according to the folklore, this fluidity is supposed to represent death, decay, and rebirth. Additionally, there was the belief that killing a Sasayutl would transfer a healing magic to warriors and make them almost invincible in battle. Many of them would adorn their cultural garb for a kind of magical protection or use carvings on canoes or entrances to their dwellings to ward off evil spirits. Another interesting piece of information is that it was believed the only other natural predator that could kill one of these were thunderbirds. Now, this supernatural being, the Sasayutl, is closely associated with tribal shamans as they were thought to be a kind of mediator between the natural and supernatural world. 
The Clinket have a version of this too, which is mostly referred to as the grub worm or the wood worm. And when you look at artist interpretations of a nightcrawler compared to the Sasayudal, admittedly, they do look quite different. Flip the depictions of a Sasayudal around, though, and the similarities become clearer, with two leg-like appendages connecting to a central node. According to the Kwakayudal, on the British Columbian coast, they believe in the Sasayudal's existence as a flesh-and-blood animal of the earth rather than some mythical sea serpent. And come to think of it, you might be able to extrapolate that a serpent's forked tongue could be a representation of these beings that we're calling Fresno Nightcrawlers, as most depictions of them make them out to be a kind of upside-down letter V, which in spiritual and esoteric circles, this symbol is said to represent the balance between the physical and the spiritual world as a reminder to maintain a harmony between the two. And just like I said moments before, these Sasayudal were closely associated with shamans as a kind of mediator between our world and the next. It's a very compelling theory, although you could argue that depictions of these beings are quite different than what's been reported and allegedly caught on camera. And there haven't been, from what I can tell, sightings of similar-looking entities at sea if they are indeed sea serpents. Most don't describe seeing serpent-like heads on their legs with the central node having humanoid facial features at all. Anyone who has claimed to have seen these things usually reports them as looking like that upside-down V or U-shape, or even like a tuning fork, that have a, a soft ghostly glow about them with no other discernible features. Perhaps it was an artistic interpretation by ancient tribes of the Kwakayudal, or perhaps these things are actually shapeshifters and can appear different to different people. In the end, whatever they are, they are surely otherworldly. And that, my friends, is where I'm going to leave things for the regular show today. While we still don't know exactly what the Fresno Nightcrawlers are, whether they're real or a hoax, they have made a huge impression on people in the Fortean encrypted communities, as well as pop culture as well. I mean, they're just kind of fun, right? Who doesn't love a pair of walking pants? And there's a lot of cool and fun artwork that people have made of these things, including my own Everybody Gangsta Till the Pants Start Walking merch designs featuring the Fresno Nightcrawlers. <laughs> Shameless self-promotion. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this deep dive today all about the Fresno Nightcrawlers and looking into some potential connections within folklore and mythology 
as to what these things might be. So thanks for sticking around till the end and we'll catch you on the next one. As always, I want to give a huge thank you out there to everyone who listens to the show. Those of you who have been here since the beginning and to those of you who have joined along the way. And also welcome to any new listeners out there. There's been quite an influx of new people following Strangeology online, checking out the show. So thanks for stopping by and checking out the show and what I'm all about. Listening to it and sharing the show with your friends and family. Getting the word out is always super helpful and I'm very grateful for all of that. In fact, the Strangeology podcast really wouldn't be possible in the capacity that it is or where it is today without the support of listeners like you. And there's a lot more to come, so definitely stick around. If you're looking for a way to support the show, head on over to patreon.com forward slash strangeology to learn more. Membership gets you some really cool benefits and perks like shout outs, merch discounts to my shop, exclusive merch, ad-free episodes, early access to new episodes, along with the exclusive members-only Strangeology Beyond episode, extensions, and more. There's even a t-shirt club of the month where you get a new Homestate Cryptid t-shirt every month. Some of the exclusive merch includes enamel pins, t-shirts, and even a varsity-style bomber jacket with embroidered patches of the Strangeology logo on them. It's a fun time. So again, that's patreon.com forward slash strangeology. You can sign up today for less than the cost of a cup of coffee per month. I appreciate the support and thank you to all members out there for your continued support and helping keep the lights on at Strangeology HQ. If you're looking for another way to support the show, you can also check out my Etsy shop. I do my own designs and I've got a whole assortment of cryptid, alien and otherwise Fortean gear and accessories available on items like t-shirts, hoodies, long sleeves, tank tops. I also have stickers, magnets, prints, mugs, tumblers. I now have can coolers available. I'm working on filling out some of those designs. I also have blankets, enamel pins, and more. I'm always trying to add new designs as often as I can and also new items as well. You can find this all over at strangeology.etsy.com. Again, that's strangeology.etsy.com. I appreciate the support. To any advertisers or companies out there looking to collaborate with the Strangeology podcast or would like to be considered for an interview for the show, please send all business inquiries to info at strangeology.com. And don't forget to give me a follow over on all of my social media accounts for daily updates and more content outside of the podcast. You can find me on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and threads. I'm most active posting short form video content on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. So if you're looking for more from me, definitely check that out. All right, I think that's about all for me for now. I'm going to take a short break here, and when I come back for Strangeology Beyond, the members-only portion of the show, I'm going to dive into some further theories and stories about the Fresno Nightcrawlers. You won't want to miss it. Members, stick with me after this short break, and for everyone else, I'll catch you next time. Make sure to take care of yourselves and each other, 
and keep it strange. Welcome back to Strangeology Beyond, the members-only portion of the show. I hope you enjoyed the main segment deep dive today. I definitely learned.